Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. One of the best things about being a podcast host is getting to connect with people that inspire me. Usually when I find guests, it's people that either have really cool, unique stories or people that I have personally learned from. And that is very much the case from today's guest, Brent Gentling. He is such a rock star and he's a full-time DIY content creator. He's a successful entrepreneur in the content creation space. He has over 20 years in construction experience. He received his degree in construction management and has worked on countless job sites in a variety of roles. In March of 2016, he started his YouTube journey and posted his first DIY video. His mission is to help others learn how to build and create in a fun and educational way. His YouTube channel kicks butt. It averages over a million views per month, and he's currently sitting at over 190,000 subscribers. Definitely kicking butt in the content creation business. I find it to be super, super inspirational. If you have ever wondered what it takes to run a successful DIY business or how do content creators that are in the DIY field actually make money, run the business, find projects to work on, all of that kind of stuff. We cover a ton of ground. This is such a fun episode that I think you guys are going to enjoy. A few of the talking points that we cover is Brent's intro into gutting and remodeling a home. And get this, he was right out of college. I love seeing that. I just think that's super, super cool. We talk about how Brent became a full-time content creator and left his previous nine to five job, how COVID actually affected his business, but not necessarily in a negative way. This is really interesting. We talk about what to hire out versus what to DIY and some of the limitations that he and I both have when it comes to projects. We talk about must have tools in your toolbox. These are things if you are newbie to DIY and you're maybe just getting started with collecting tools, these are some things that you should probably start with first. And of course, we talk about what's next for his business, BYOT, bring your own tools. This was such a fun episode. I'm very excited to see your feedback. And more than anything, I hope that this inspires you to take control and to go start some of those fun DIY projects that you have maybe had on your back burner, but haven't had the confidence to do. Go watch some of Brent's videos all linked in the show notes. And I promise you're going to walk away feeling like, okay, maybe I can do this. That's exactly how I felt. Let's go ahead and dive into this conversation with my friend Brent Gentling from Bring Your Own Tools. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode today. I am joined by one of my YouTube inspos, Brent. Thank you so much for hanging out. 
Thanks so much for having me, Whitney. I am stoked to chat with you because I've been following your shed tutorial, which is how I initially came into your world on YouTube. And dude, you're, you're like, you're killing it. Like the videos are incredibly detailed. They helped. I'm just, I nothing but props to everything you're doing. It's so cool. No, thank you so much. It's It's been a true honor and privilege to be able to do what I actually love to do in life and uh, to help others learn how to build and create is a true passion of mine. So I'm glad the video has actually helped. So helpful. Like I, I can't even tell you, like we're sitting in the mountains and I'm pushing pause on my phone with like two bars. I'm like, hold on. This is what we have to do next. <laughs> it's out of control, man. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your channel, BYO Tools. So BYOT, which is very clever. How did you come about the channel and what's your inspiration behind that? So it all stemmed from, so I have a construction background. You know, I was one of those kids that always loved building from Legos at a young age and was in the labor trades for a while, went to school for construction management. And uh, I bought my first home back in 2010. And it was like the ugly duckling, just needed everything. And it was a full gut job. So I bought it. I gutted the kitchen, every single bathroom, every piece of plumbing, the deck, everything, and just started building from the ground up from there. And in all honesty, I knew quite a bit about a construction, but I didn't know how to remodel a home at that point, especially right out of college. And I just started watching YouTube videos all the time. And I just couldn't believe how informative, how helpful YouTube was at that point in my life, because I, at that point, I'd only used YouTube for, you know, watching movie trailers and, (laughs) and other things like that. But I found it so useful. And then at a certain point, years down the road, I could not find a video on a specific subject on YouTube. And I just scoured, could not find anything. And I said to my girlfriend at the time, now wife, maybe I should create a YouTube video to help someone else out there because YouTube has helped me so much throughout my life. And that uh, was not the first video I did on my platform, but it was the one that got the ball rolling. Interesting. What was that video? It was how to grow grass from Stop it. Uh, fr- from start to finish. Like, as in, like there wasn't a good video, like there was little videos here and there, but there wasn't a good video on literally having weeds and dirt to full on grass restoration. And I was like, how is there not a video for this? And lo and behold, of course, it was the very first video that blew up on my channel because people are actually trying to search that term. That is so wild. Okay. So you're renovating your house and this is probably, I mean, it sounds like a massive undertaking, a huge, huge project. Did you start recording videos during the remodel or did this come after the remodel? Uh, It came during the remodel, but years down the road. So I started the channel in March of 2016 and I bought my home in June of 2010. So I wish I started, I wish I pressed record back in 2010. I probably would have been a lot further on in life, uh, at least YouTube wise, (laughs) but uh, I never, I did not. And in all honesty, probably a good thing since I didn't always know what I was doing back then, but you know, the skills led up to where I am today. How do you deal with the haters on YouTube, especially in the DIY niche, man, they are very, they're kind of vicious. I've seen some comments on people's channels. I'm like, Oh my God, I wouldn't even want to show anybody how I cut my grass. Like it feels like people are so critical. Do you find that to be the case or are they actually pretty supportive? 
You know, in all honesty, with in my platform, especially on YouTube, super positive. I mean, I'd say 95% of all comments, all people are very positive. There's always going to be the haters and haters going to hate. So it's one of those things where I actually, in all honesty, try and kill them with kindness for the most part of just being like, someone obviously has a a disagreement of why I'm doing something. And I come back saying, you know, why do you think that? And please elaborate because I'm here to learn as well. So it's one of those things. And I always basically end it with thanks for watching in any case, (laughs) because (laughs) no matter matter what you're helping me get paid. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. It's so true. That is so awesome. So I want to go back a little ways to, you said you were doing kind of odd jobs and construction work, even as a kid, like what kinds of stuff were you exposed to? You know, I was always that individual that loved working with their hands you know, in, in all honesty, I never had a desk job until I graduated college. And so I was always that individual of, I was the laborer on the job site during the summer months, during high school, you know, I was a stock boy and, uh, and I, in college, I started working up in canneries up in Alaska. Oh, cool. And so I always had those physical labor jobs just because that's who I was as a person and an individual. And that's how I, I love building, creating, especially within the construction realm. Awesome. So you studied construction management. Do they teach you how to build stuff in that degree or is it more the, the process of managing everything? Never. Yeah. Really? I, I don't. I don't really take take much uh, from my college experience other than the true relationships that I've built because the relationships, in all honesty, were the most important part of my uh, my time in college because the friendships that I have throughout college will last the test of time, you know, for my lifetime, and that's what I really take from college and. You know, college itself, of course, it's for some people, it's for others. Personally, as far as developing skills uh, that would help me in my career, not so much. But uh, but I did take plenty of uh, educational classes, and I'm sure it's helped me to where I am today. <laughs> yeah, it helps you manage probably your own timeline, which is, I guess, somewhat useful in a lot of ways, which I don't know. I find whenever I do a project, it's never, the timeline's always wrong. I have to double it or triple it. Is that the case for you too? Well, the uh, the aspect of trying to do everything yourself where you're actually performing the work, you're the videographer, and uh, you're also the video editor and the person that's doing the voiceover. So it's the actual recording and making sure you get those finished shots and those shots to help tell a story in the end does take a lot more time and energy than if you're just going to be building yourself. And that's the thing that luckily for me at this point, I'm getting much better at knowing how much time it's going to take. And I'm diligent about thinking about where I'm going to be placing the video camera as I'm doing the work. So that has take, taken up less time in my in that aspect, but it still takes up more time than y- any job normally would. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine of having to adjust the camera and get a different angle. And, oh, the sun came out now and it changed everything. Like, it's crazy. So I admire all of the work and logistics that goes into creating the videos you put together. I think it's really cool. 
where do you go for your projects? Like when you're deciding to do a project, help me understand this. Is this a project for like a friend or family member? Is it for yourself? Is this people that are paying you? Like, how does that work? So I quit my job back in October, 2019. And at that point, yeah, at that point I started doing basically content creation full-time, but more in line with just construction because I didn't really know how the content creation realm was going to work for me at that point, because that definitely was not paying all the bills at that point. And so I was just basically just trying to find work wherever I could and making sure I was able to provide for my family at that point. And at the, luckily, because of in all honesty, because of COVID, my viewership skyrocketed from literally 250,000 views a month originally before COVID hit to over a million views a month. And I'm still averaging over a million views a month. And it has steadily gone up, up, up since then, which is truly incredible. And I love seeing that people especially at the beginning of COVID, we're really utilizing their time well at, hey, let's try and build something with the extra time that we have on our hands. Yeah. So so luckily for me, at the beginning of this year of 2021, I made the decision, decision to not take on any projects unless it was content related. So I've been able to stay consistent with that respect. So I'm either doing half the videos are probably on my own personal home or around my home. Other half are for friends and family or other people that are connecting me to them because they know I'm in the construction realm. How how much of this is you doing like keyword research to say, oh, turns out sheds are a popular topic. I should probably create a shed versus like, oh, this sounds interesting to me. Yeah, I mean it's it's a huge aspect, especially if you want to pursue what you know success on YouTube. And not in all honesty, not everyone can be successful on YouTube, but it's one of those things where you have to really be diligent about incrementally improving your skills mm-hmm. as well as figuring out what people are actually searching for. And with that shed video, you know, that shed video, I did not have a shed video in line for my own personal use. And in all honesty, my mom was not the happiest with that shed project because they're like, I want to remodel a bathroom. Why don't we remodel a bathroom instead of doing a shed in the backyard? (laughs) And my dad said, well, I still want to, you know, I would like a nice shed in the backyard. And then I said, I also want to do a shed project. So of course that took the kicker and we are still going to do a beautiful bathroom renovation for my mom. But the shed video came first because I knew how many people were searching how to build a shed. So if you type in into Google or into YouTube, how to build, how to build a shed is going to be one of the number one things that comes up when typing in how to build something. And that is huge, especially when thinking about at this point, I want, there's always going to be a certain amount of people that are going to watch my videos no matter what, which is nice, Mm -hmm. but actually putting something out there that people really are looking for is huge within those, that analytics of YouTube. Makes sense. I, I feel like a lot of people see those, those searches and immediately get scared away by that. 
Like they think, okay, well, there's this many searches for how to build a shed, but I'm not going to do it because I probably won't rank for that. But yet you like kind of crushed it with your shed project. So what, what do you think from your perspective, what makes your videos different than the average DIY video? There's a lot of DIY videos out there, as you can imagine. And I think personally within my platform, I feel the real difference with that is the fact that my passion is to help others learn how to build and create. And there's a lot of people out there that are very successful, that have millions of subscribers that are just showing you the process of building something. But showing you the process in a video format is not really going to help you with those small, tiny details that I like to include within within that shed video, within all of my videos. I try and I'm doing voiceover throughout the entire video structure Mm -hmm. because the fact that I'm trying to help you learn how to do it yourself. Yeah. I I mean, you can tell too, because they are very detailed. And and I think that is the key just for uh, fun sake. I did a DIY video years ago, like 2015. I'll have to send it to you. You'll get the biggest kick out of it. And I did not expect it to do well at all. So it was the crappiest video I think I've ever produced and the comments, man, they are, <laughs> it was a DIY electric fireplace surround. So I did like this little surround and, oh my God, dude, they are so funny on how much people are like, this is the worst video ever. I'm like, look, I didn't know. Okay. So I think there's a lot to, to be said about producing a high quality video and you never know what's going to take off. So be careful of that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very true that the number one video on my platform that I was not going to do as a video because it was just too mundane, but literally has 2.8 million views is how to seal a driveway. And, really? and yeah, just an asphalt driveway, how to seal a driveway was the number one video on my platform and still is to this day, uh, based upon viewer views. And it's just incredible to see that amount of viewership on a video that seemed mundane at the time, but has brought an incredible amount of not only wealth, but uh, subscribership from it as well. That's incredible. I love that. It's a, It almost feels like you're managing two businesses. So you've got the business of online marketing, and then you have the business of actually having the skills to do the project. So how do you hone your skills for the projects? Is this like trial and errors or workshops? Like, how do you improve that? (laughs) It's one of those things where you have to have the mindset of not being fearful of Mm. the unknown. And that is something that takes time and years to develop because you can't, I'd say 50% of the projects that I take on my platform, I've never tried before ever. Really? And so it's one of those things where I'm never fearful of taking on a project. It's all about the mentality of, okay, I've never done this before. Let's figure out how to do it properly and how to show people how to do it properly for the first time. And that's something that within anything, no matter what it's, whether it's DIY or something else, it's all about trying to get better at your craft every single day, just a little bit, because those small little bits personally will will benefit you greatly down the road, years down the road. And that's where why I'm I am where I am today is because of those small little increments every single day of trying to learn something new. And that mind I, I love that you mentioned the mindset piece. That is so true of thinking, can I take this project on or should I hire this out and spend triple the price point? 
to pay for labor costs. But a lot of the projects you do, I look at and I'm like, wow, that would be intimidating for me, especially when it comes to structural stuff. I get a little bit scared. So how do you navigate when you say doing a project properly? Like, let's start there. Like, what does that even mean if you're doing a project properly? Obviously, with that, there's a number of different definitions in that in that respect. Uh, obviously, number one is especially if it's structural, making sure it's to code, as well as making sure you're building it based upon how you should be building it. Especially if it's a deck or a shed or a retaining wall that I'm just building, making sure things are to code and properly made is huge. Not only for uh, the mentality of yourself thinking that you have a structure that's well built, but obviously not getting yourself in trouble down the road. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense. When you go to look into the codes, I know every state city is a little bit different on what they allow and you know footing depth and all that kind of stuff. But when you're looking at the codes, do you have any tips for interpreting that? <laughs> Sometimes it's a little confusing. It, it it definitely is. It's very confusing, uh, especially in some cases. But the the one th- obviously with some aspects, trying to figure out what can be built per- that doesn't require a permit Got versus it. what does require a permit, and those are those are things, especially that come into things with like I just spoke about a shed. You know how big how big can you build a shed without a permit? That's what something that we we looked up because it's a square footage aspect. Uh, how tall can you build a deck without a permit? How tall can you build a retaining wall without a permit? Those are all things that you have to look into, and those are very simple things to look up. In all honesty, those are very direct lines of of communication between the state to the homeowner. Normally, gotcha. So if you're confused on any of that stuff, can you? Can you call the building department and say, yo, I don't understand this. What does this mean? Like, is that something that we can and should do? I'm sure it's a state to state thing that uh, <laughs> based upon <laughs> uh, how easy it actually is. And and yes, you definitely can call the uh, the building department of the state sort of thing. You, you can literally look up uh, your whoever's handling your actual codes and permitting within your state, there's normally a very easy phone number to contact and they can direct you in some respects of based upon your project and what you would potentially need to permit versus not. I like it. Okay. So when you're approaching projects in your, in your life and you're thinking through, okay, this is one that sounds kind of cool to me. I think it would have good keyword search too. People would love this. I'm going to move forward with it. What's your very next step? You start with the idea and then what do you do next? At this point, it's really about making the one thing that really has helped the channel greatly is trying to produce videos on a weekly basis versus a monthly basis. And before I, before I quit my job, it was maybe on a monthly basis because I was very, very busy man when working for another company. But when I got out of that realm, I was trying to really pursue the aspect of producing content on a weekly basis, not only because the more videos you do, the higher skill level is going to grow exponentially, but also the more chances that people are going to find you. 
And throughout this entire year, I've almost been able to do a video every single week, even though my videos are very large scale and the projects I do sometimes are very large scale. And that's something that I've, I've taken great pride in to try and produce that much content that's quality content uh, out there, not only to help others, but obviously to help myself with trying to grow my platform. That's incredible. Every single week. That is amazing. Does it help? I've noticed with a lot of your videos, you do parts. So part one, part two, part three, is that more for weekly content, like to help you continue producing, or is it more just because you can't pack it all in, in one video? Yeah, obviously with Within YouTube, I really do try and encapsulate my projects in one video, Mm -hmm. but with larger projects like the Shed Project, it's just not possible. There's just too much, and I'm not going to put a video out that's 60 minutes long, as well as the fact that I'm not going to be able to obviously produce a video every single week if that was the case. So trying to divvy it up into areas where, okay, we're going to do framing. We're going to do waterproofing. We're going to do the exterior of the shed. Like those are very easy ways to basically slice it into sections. So not only are they easier to consume as the, as the viewer, because they're more bite size, but it's something that I can obviously take on and produce content on a weekly basis still, which is still very important to me. That's amazing. I I do love your videos. I just think you do such a great job. Is there any type of DIY project that you would not touch at this point? (laughs) So there are definitely products that I wouldn't take on just because I don't want to have the mental strain to take it on. Mm. Uh, For example, anything that involves a a lot of electrical wiring or uh, or plumbing. You know, I'm pretty good at plumbing for the most part, especially if I'm trying to plumb a shower or something like that. Mm. Because it's very straightforward. But electrical-wise and large-scale plumbing projects, those are all things that should be done by a professional that knows what they're doing. So there's no issues down the road because those are things that could cause catastrophic damages to not only your house, but your potential life. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. Right. (laughs) You don't want to get shocked. That's for sure. When you were doing your house remodel, did you dabble with some of the electrical work then? For sure. But when I say dabble, I mean, installing, uh, outlets, switches, installing light fixtures. You know, I actually had a licensed electrician come in and and rewire, uh, certain rooms. And I had a professional plumber come in and replumb the entire house after I gutted all the plumbing. Oh, that's awesome. That was actually very smart of you. Yeah, because and that's something that you have to be mindful of too, because the, that's cost that they would be obviously billing you to remove all the plumbing. Yeah. Versus, hey, I'm fine with taking a a, a sawzall and ripping out a bunch of uh, old galvanized plumbing, uh, because I can take the the brunt of the uh, physical labor, and they can just come in and have free reign of installing their piping. That is so cool. I have not done any plumbing work aside from like showers and that kind of stuff myself either. Um, are you scared of crawl spaces? Like, does that freak you out to crawl under the house? 
Um, I luckily for me and the house we're in, no, because we don't have a crawl space. But I have definitely been in crawl spaces before for other people, and it's not the funnest situation, especially with it just being so tight. There's plenty of spiders and along the way, as well as unique uh, other smells and and things, as you can imagine. But. Uh, <laughs> I'm not opposed to going in crawl spaces. Just it's one of those things that I'm not excited to do. <laughs> ever That's again. totally fair. We, uh, for the property that we have in Idaho, we have a, a pit toilet that was already existing there. And mm-hmm. so our next project is to redo the outhouse and that project Brent, I have been avoiding so long. I'm like, Oh, I don't want to deal with this, but it's one of those things where I think you're right. Got to change my mindset on it and say, everything's figure outable. Let's just make it happen. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where, especially with when it comes to figuring out the labor portion of a project and what to take on yourself versus what you should be hiring out. It, you know, just think about, you know, what is your time worth and what, benefit are you adding to your overall house? You know, it's one of those, it's especially with me personally, I'm not afraid to take on most projects, uh, mainly because of the fact that I love building, but also due to the fact that it's going to save me a tremendous amount of labor cost in the end. And however, with that said, there's things that I know would cost me more because it would take me so much longer to do, such as a garage door. You know, a garage door seems like it's an easy thing to install. It's not. And I've heard from numerous people that it is hellish if you don't know what you're doing. So I am fine with spending the money to have someone else do it properly that knows what they're doing. And it's going to say, you know, it's going to be very comparable cost-wise because the amount of time and energy it would have taken me to do it would be twice as long as a professional. That's totally fair. So let's do some like blanket generalizations here, which I know is always tricky. Are there a few things that you think people should probably just always DIY or at least pursue that maybe first before hiring somebody, a few projects? So it obviously kind of depends on the size of the project, but with anything, especially when you're going, you know, small scale and very doable painting. I always tell people think about paint because a fresh coat of paint on the interior or exterior home could do wonders. And it's huge aspect visually as well as something that most people can take on. And I know some people are not fans of the painting process, which I understand, but it's something that that almost anyone can take on and do. It's as well as the fact that it adds aesthetic value to your home as well. Yeah. It's it's such a big bang for your buck for not very much money at all. Like 50 bucks for a gallon of paint, you can get a really great result. Exactly. Exactly. Tell me about your wall behind you. (laughs) This is so cool. What is this? My brick accent wall. So this is actually a video that I did do on the platform and it's actually a stencil. So this is not actual brick. It's a stenciled brick accent wall where I took it, I believe they're called 
cutting edge stencils. Yeah. Cutting edge stencils. They have a tremendous amount of different types of stencils to choose from. This was a brick pattern and I actually used what you would use for drywall mud. It's, Mm -hmm. it's more of a a drywall mud that I use to actually imprint the texture of, of the stencil on remove the stencil and then paint it over it after that. That's amazing. So I present like no sanding, really nothing. Just slap it on and just spackle and then paint. (laughs) Whoa. Have you ever tried? I've, I've heard people mixing the spackle powder with paint. Have you tried that yet? No, I have not. I wonder how that turns out. I'm not sure. Yeah. Your wall looks amazing though. I'll have to look that one up. (laughs) Yeah. If you do, let let me know how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) it's one of those things where there's always so many crazy ideas that people are constantly doing, but I love your style. And I also noticed you started to expand into TikTok. Tell us a little bit about TikTok. And was this like something you expected to take off for you or was it just for funsies at first? You know, it's so random how, uh, (laughs) how certain social medias grow and with TikTok and all that was, specifically because the fact that when COVID first hit, I was trying to figure out, you know, how can I help others out there in different ways? And with my channel, they're they're so large scale and extensive projects that I was like, let's do some smaller like DIY tips. So I started using short form content on my YouTube channel for a month or two. And you can go into the analytics and see, and I was actually losing subscribership from my short form videos because people come in, they see my videos and then like, oh, what's this short form video? This is not why I'm watching Brent on YouTube and unsubscribing. So I was like, okay, no note taken and I won't be posting these videos. And then one of my friends who's also a big YouTuber said, why don't you do your short form videos on TikTok? I think it'd be a perfect platform and try it out. And I basically didn't take it seriously for a few months, of course. And then I started thinking, okay, well, I'll just, I'll take the videos that I did on YouTube and I'll change the, uh, the, sh- the uh, frame rate. Mm-hmm. And then position them on TikTok. And I did that and literally received, instead of a couple thousand views on YouTube, I received millions of views on TikTok. And all of a sudden the subscribership just skyrocketed from there on YouTube, on TikTok. And it's just a, an amazing platform for short form videos and more fun short form tips and tricks that I can't showcase on my own YouTube platform. Has from a business perspective, have you found TikTok to help your YouTube channel, Instagram, all of that kind of stuff? Or does it, do you almost feel like it's like a standalone business? If that makes sense. It's uh, it's standalone. There's certain people that have utilized their TikTok platform to try and drive traffic to YouTube, Mm -hmm. but it really doesn't work, especially if you don't have a YouTube presence. And even if you do have a YouTube presence presence like myself, it still kind of trickles in because that people the people that are looking for that instant gratification of short form content are not the same people that are going to tune in for a 20 minute long YouTube video. And so I really do see them as two different entities, but luckily for me, I'm able to position myself with brands that I'm working with now to show, to tell them, okay, 
I can do a, I can feature your product on my YouTube channel, but I can also do a dedicated video on my TikTok platform with your product in mind. And that uh, obviously comes with compensation because those brands are now wanting me to feature their product on YouTube and TikTok. That's a, that's a very, very smart way to group that together too. I love that you're able to monetize both platforms in a different way. For people that don't understand the business of YouTube, can you give everybody like a little context of how do you make money as a YouTuber? Yeah. So as a YouTuber, especially now, I think it's, you have to have a thousand subscribers and like 10,000 watch hours to actually monetize your channel and to actually get paid from Google because Google owns YouTube. So it all depends upon viewership and how long they view your content for. Because subscribers don't really mean anything in terms of getting paid. It's all about people. Anytime you see an ad in the beginning of a video, in the middle of a video, anything that pops up within the the video realm when you're watching it, those are all ads that people, that companies are paying for. And then the content creator is getting a kickback for. And it's a small percentage, but they call it in the business a CPM. So basically a dollar value per thousand views. And that dollar amount can range drastically depending on your type of content. Mine generally ranges around, I believe, seven to nine dollars per thousand views. And I've heard of people that are in the financial game that have tremendously larger uh, CPMs, as well as people that are kind of your <laughs> your unique random content that are literally you know two to three dollars per CPM. So it's it's a good middle range, and it's all about the viewership on on YouTube directly as far as monetization goes. Okay. And then you mentioned some partnerships. So talk to us a little bit about how that works. Is this, you're approaching companies, they approach you probably more of the latter at this stage in the game, but when you were first monetized, were you initially approaching them? (laughs) Well, especially when I quit my job, it's, and, and to be a content creator, you know, I call myself a content creator because I'm not a YouTuber. I'm not a TikToker. I'm a content creator because mm. you have to have so many different realms of monetization to become successful and to stay successful. Because one platform, if you're if your sole income is dedicated off of one platform, then your livelihood could dissipate and disappear overnight because all of a sudden, I don't think Google or YouTube is going to change their uh, their percentage basis of payment, but they could overnight. And if they did, <laughs> and I was only solely driven or I was only being supported on YouTube that would drastically affect my livelihood. So having a differentiator between so many different platforms, I have probably, you know, 15 different ways I get paid and different percentages off of those payments. But there's so many different avenues, whether it's every single video of mine has a link to tools and materials that I featured in that video. And most of those are Amazon links. Mm -hmm. And if anyone clicks on that link and purchases a product, I get a kickback from Amazon. Another way that I get paid. And with the brands you noted, 
early on when I quit my job, I was that individual of like cold calling companies, DMing them on Instagram, trying to uh, pursue a relationship with them. And luckily at this point, now that I'm so large, I had to take on, I actually had to hire my first hire, which was a brand manager who who manages all of my brand relationships. And there's so many brands that are contacting me wanting to work with me now. It's nice because we can really pick and choose the ones that we want to work with uh, versus me trying to scour the internet to try and work with brands. <laughs> it's it's a different type of hustle for sure. And I think we we all have to go through it. So it makes sense. But I like that you weren't afraid to just cold outreach to people too. I think so many people get in their heads about that and just tell themselves, I'll wait until I'm Brent's size of a YouTube channel. And then, then I'll start getting partnerships, but you kind of took it differently. Yeah. Especially early on, even, even if they're only willing to give you free product, which was the case in some relationships, think about it as a long-term avenue, because the fact that even if they give you the time of day just to say, hey, we're not interested in working with you now, or hey, we're interested in working with you, but we can only provide free product, that could be just as valuable uh, as you know a monetization aspect, especially when you're talking about long-term, because I've worked with companies that only gave me free product. I did a video for them. They The video blew up. And then a year, two years down the road, they want to work with me again. And guess what? You're going to be paying a lot of money to work with me again because I have a proven track record with you now. Makes sense. Yeah. And it, it, the cool thing is that it is all proven. Like you can track the clicks, you can track views, you can see you know, how many percentage of people that watched all the way through. So the analytics bandit are very helpful when it comes to renegotiating rates and that kind of stuff. So I think that's that's really interesting. Oh, it's huge, huge. With your with your YouTube channel, where do you at well, I should say your business in general, where do you foresee it going? Like what are your next steps? What's your vision for BYOT? <laughs> so many different avenues. So many <laughs> totally. <different> always. <laughs> always. At at this point, you know, you have that five year plan of uh, you know of being on HGTV and actually for, you could totally do that though. Well, I've actually already been interviewed by a couple producers for a couple TV shows. So we'll see if I actually get any any of them, which I uh, am hoping for, don't anticipate, but you never know where life's going to take you sometimes. But uh, that is a fun avenue to think about. But with YouTube, especially that that's my baby. That's what I take great pride in producing content for because I'm still so dedicated to my audience to try and help those people learn how to build. So I'm still going to be obviously doing my weekly videos as much as humanly possible, as long as possible. Uh, but I do foresee taking on some larger upscale projects, uh, like literally how to build a house. So, yes, and I don't know if I'll be taking on that whole endeavor myself, but I would love the aspect and opportunity to really show the entire process from start to finish on how to build a house. That'd be so, so amazing too. And that would give you years of content, my friend. (laughs) 
You'd be set for life. That would take a while. Yeah. But that would definitely, <laughs> that would definitely provide some amazing content for sure. Yeah. It'd be really fun. Are you at all interested in like the Airbnb world and short-term rentals and that kind of stuff? Or is that not something on your radar right now? Well, it would be if we were to uh, purchase a home elsewhere, because most likely we would be renting out the home that we're in now and then uh, featuring that house project in another area. Mm -hmm. The one that's coming to mind is just there is a piece of property in eastern Washington that uh, my family owns and we're we're finally in the process of thinking about building on it. And so if we do, then we'd have to potentially try and move and rent out the house here and then build over there. <laughs> That'd be so cool. Would this be like a traditional style home? Uh, it'd be a little bit more modern for sure, but nice. it'd be more of a uh, kind of a fun uh, vacation home versus a, a full-on home. <laughs> Heck yes. I love that idea. That would be so fun to watch too. As a as a viewer, I would love that. <laughs> That's great to hear. I love it. <laughs> I think it's awesome. Let's get nerdy for a sec. When it comes to tools, what are some basic tools that you think everybody should have in their tool belt or their garage? What are like the basics we should all have? <laughs> of course, a good old hammer, screwdriver, uh, Phillips, <laughs> and flat. The uh, the things to think about, though, is, especially with having a good quality item, would be a good quality tape measure, mm-hmm. a good quality level. The two foot level is just fine for most cases, and I would say a good quality drill. You know, it's one of those things where a lot of people there's so many drills out there, and there's a lot of really cheap drills. And most people can take, you know, can take on miscellaneous endeavors around the home with a cheap drill. But personally, I find that just spending a little bit extra for a quality drill will pay dividends in the end. How do you know if it's a quality drill? Also a good question. Uh, (laughs) uh, Think of just, you know, the brand names, you know, if, if it's a... If it's a quality brand name like Milwaukee, like Makita, like uh, DeWalt, those are quality brand names that you can know, you know and trust. Um, if it's more of like the the Black and Decker or the Craftsman, like those are lower end. They might be still good good tools, but they're going to be lower quality than the upper echelon brands. And even the upper echelon brands have uh, more affordable, smaller drills. Like the, the Milwaukee has a M12 versus an M18. And the M12 is a smaller battery, but you can get a, a two-set drill for 100 bucks, $150 that are the more the lower end version than the higher end version. But the gotcha. lower end version is still better than the other brands' higher end version. Yeah. <laughs> I've used some pretty crappy tools over the years and you really can tell, but I'm always like so fascinated with people that do this as their full-time job is constantly building stuff. I'm like, surely you, you probably have a pretty good tool belt at this stage. <laughs> I have a lot of tools and and I am definitely good about uh, saving my money, but with tools, it's more about like, Hey, this is what I do for a living. I need to have the proper tool. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. So when you are approaching a new tool and you you're viewing it probably from a business investment standpoint as well, will you almost always 
spend a little extra to get something nicer? These days, yes, for sure. It wasn't always the case. And I'm not obviously getting the top of the line everything, but things that I know that I'm going to be using quite often, I'm for sure going to spend a little extra get to get the good quality product that I that I know I can rely upon for years. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Brent, this has been such a fun conversation. I've learned a lot about your creative process. I always find that so fascinating with content creators of how do you get ideas and then approach it and the mindset behind projects. I think it's fascinating. So I'm so grateful you took the time to hang out with us. No, I absolutely love the conversation and I'm always happy to uh, help others out there, not only in uh, the building endeavor, but on their entrepreneur endeavor. So this is great. That's awesome. Where do people go to hang out? Where's the best place? Basically, just find, just search BYO Tools. So B-Y-O-T-O-O-L-S, whether it's on Instagram or YouTube or TikTok, I'm basically there on all uh, platforms. I love it. My friend, before we officially part ways, are you down for some rapid fire questions? <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. First question for you. Where's one location you're dying to travel to? Well, I have been loving the Olympics this year and I have always wanted to go to Japan. So that's definitely on the bucket list for uh, my wife and I to go to Japan. Yes. Would you bring the babe? No. <laughs> <laughs> love it like absolutely not they can stay home yeah yeah i think that trip unless we take it you know 15 years down the road uh, we'll uh yeah we'll we'll, we'll leave the baby at home with the grandparents amazing okay next question for you are you more of a morning or evening routine person morning routine person okay what's your current morning routine uh, normally just getting up around uh, five to six o'clock, which is easy when you have a crying baby in the other room. And uh, I normally feed her, put her down for uh, a good old nap and then start answering emails and trying to uh, take care of a few miscellaneous things business-wise before I uh, actually pursue the rest of the day where it's more actually physically physically building a product while also obviously videotaping it. Love it. That is such a great morning routine. And I know it always changes over the years. So this will be interesting in five years. We'll bring you back on and be like, how did it change, man? What's going on now? (laughs) Okay. Next question for you. What's one purchase you recently made that has made your life better? (laughs) Oh, that's a good question. Well, in all honesty, this was something that happened recently because I just built a retaining wall, literally uh, doing the video editing uh, right after we get done with this conversation. And uh, I had to beef up my drills. Talking about drills, I had to actually go a step higher because we had to screw these 10 inch long screws down into these wood timbers for a retaining wall. And the smaller drill that I had was not doing the job. So I had to spend an extra $400 for a good quality drill set. And that definitely helped greatly when it came to actually installing everything. What did you end up going with? It was a Milwaukee impact uh, drill and, uh, uh, and drill set. Nice. Very cool. All right. Last question for you. In your opinion, what is the secret to financial success? Uh, I would just say to uh, 
not not being afraid to talk about money and not being afraid to uh to to think about what you know how it's going to affect you long term you know it's one of those things that my my grandfather was in literally the banking industry for 50 years and i have very good insight as to saving money because of my how my parents and grandparents raised them so it's one of those things where just being mindful and not being afraid to discuss finances openly and upfront is huge especially with having that you know that not only that fear factor of like oh you know how are we going to finance things but also just thinking of it in a rational way I love that. Beautiful answer. I am so grateful for your time. I'm even more excited for your house build eventually. That's going to be so epic. And I will be tuning into every single one. It will definitely of it. happen eventually. I assure you. It's it's one of those things where I'm excited. And my parents are actually in the middle of uh, talking with architects now to design plans for it. Perfect. So it is going to happen. And I don't know how it's going to be featured on the channel, but sure. it'll it'll come in the near future, hopefully. That is so cool. We'll keep us all posted on that. I know we will all be loving that. It's fun to live vicariously through other people too. So (laughs) if nothing else, I'll be like, dang, way to go, Brent. (laughs) (laughs) Well, people love to watch us, someone work hard sometimes, which I'm I'm happy to do. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Thank you again for your time. It was so fun hanging out with you. Thank you. Take care. Okay. What'd you think? Did you enjoy this episode? If you did do me the biggest favor and leave a five-star review on whatever podcast player you're listening to. It means so much to the podcast and helps it get in front of more people that are just trying to be better with money, find some type of inspiration from everyday people. And of course, support our guests as well. It's a really great thing to do. Thank you again for your support. I'll catch you on Friday for five tip Friday or next week for another episode of the money nerds podcast. Bye. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.